0: The last 50 years have seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes toward female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the very definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child free. We're here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of. Not just. Sleeping In. I'm Tiger.
1: And I'm Lee, and each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all the things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, for the first time ever, we open the representation files and dive into child-free representation on the small screen. Uh, We all spent the last year trapped inside binging, uh, and with the relative ubiquity that streaming services and YouTube uh, offers us, uh, we have access to more television and more of television history than ever. Uh, but do we see ourselves? And when we do, uh, in what we're being presented, do we like what we see? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Uh, but first, um, Tiger, how late you sleep in this week?
0: 8.30. Classic. Yeah. It, to be fair, like it was a work day and I sure. just didn't feel like leaving my bed.
1: You gotta have yeah. them. How about you? Um whoa. Uh, low numbers. Uh, six thirty AM. Ew. <laughs> Who am yeah, I? Yeah,
0: gross. I'm Ugh. sorry. Are you okay?
1: Gross. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, you know, hey, production life. You gotta love it. Um No, you don't gotta
0: love it. I never <laughs> you don't have to I never it. did it. I chose health <laughs> insurance. Uh,
1: that's right. You <laughs> yes, you you managed to stay offset and then get off all, and then get off grid, essentially. Yeah,
0: and while so. I was while I was it, yeah, and while I was in the movie business, I was always to quote Aaron Burr in the room where it happened, without ever having to wake up at six fucking thirty in the morning.
1: Yeah, and that was a late look. That's a that's a six thirty to you know get to work around nine, and that was the end of the week. Uh, but yeah, gotta love those uh city filming daylight restrictions and day exterior work and. Delicious. Those, uh, those 3.42 a.m. call times. Mm, what a delight. Animation, kids. What a joy. This is definitely yeah. what I signed up animation for. Animation
0: <laughs> is the way to go. Let me just, those of you in film school listening to this, you really can have it all. And it can be in the computer. And you can never put yeah. on pants.
1: And animation, the fine line between, you know, video games, we'll get there. But you, both Union, fingers crossed, and not standing outside in the rain for 12 hours. What a delight! Exactly. So obviously, uh, as we've alluded to, we are both um, insufferable media snobs. Uh, also, this is like both of our eighth podcast. I, I was. Gonna say, I resent. <laughs> um, I resent so. being
0: called a snob as someone who wrote several term papers on Michael Bay in film school. I. I resent. Oh, there you
1: that. go. Sure. I stand. One of the first things. Yeah. Uh, my partner told me uh, in the courting process was when they were asked about um, their time in film school. When, whenever asked, you know, either in a classroom or at a cocktail party, what their favorite movie was, their, the 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 boilerplate response was always *Blazing Saddles*. Fuck yeah! Just to like, just to like kick that off, uh, you can. Savior, French, New Wave, blah, blah, whatever. Anyway, television. Let's talk about it. We've been kind of heading into some weighty no, waters. No,
0: I, I, I am a television snob. Sure. I'm just kidding. I'm no. I'm 100% kidding.
1: <laughs> that would be, wouldn't that be a really <laughs> funny lot, line to draw? Like, you will watch any movie ever, like, straight to video, whatever. But then when it's television, you're like, I, we got to set this bar a little
0: higher. HBO um, or biased. <laughs>
1: But TV's gotten weird, right? Like TV's gotten super odd. There's so many different platforms and and formats and like there uh, uh, 22 minutes, a half hour is now 30 like it it's 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 changed yeah. a lot. And the funny thing I, is I
0: have I've never had cable in my adult life. So sure. run times are meaningless as our yeah. schedules.
1: Yeah. But again, this this the funny thing is that uh, as we've kind of looked at this time per- period that we talk about in the opening, like this is about 70, 75 years old, right? So, and it's evolved yeah. cr- in a crazy amount in a very short time. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's worth kind of looking at because as we're only now kind of looking at ourselves as child-free persons, uh, that, you know, are we there? Are we there currently? Are we there in the history? And what does it look like? Of course, there's always, you know, TV tropes are kind of this idea. Where do we fall into them? And it's funny because this this jumped out at me uh, recently. Um when the partner and I were catching up on the alienist, uh, you know, kind of our serious period drama um, solving crimes. Um, but that show weirdly has had this the evolution of Dakota Fanning's character, Sarah Howard, over the first. And it's really becoming her show. And of course, well, here we go. Giant spoilers for all of this, for the history of television. Uh, we'll try to catch it where we can. We're talking about TV history. We're talking about it very specifically. This shit's going to come up. Deal with it. Um, We'll try to at least flag it. If we don't, we're sorry in advance. Um,
0: This is your flag.
1: This is your flag for the entire episode. (laughs) Um, So in in season two (laughs) of The Alien, she's developed into very much this character. And thank God the show's pushing her kind of the forefront because I think she's the most interesting character in the show. You're at like, you know, turn of the 20th century New York, she is a female starting her own detective agency, suffragette, very kind of very proudly a lot of these things, and also very vocally child-free. She mentions that she has no interest, which is funny because season two of The Alias is just lousy with babies. If you have an aversion to the sound of a crying baby, woo, maybe it's you're going to have to hang in there, my my child-free friends, to, to for this payoff um, because, man, there's a lot of babies. Um <clears throat> But yeah, the the whole kind of complicated relationship revolves around her immense attraction to one of the characters. And, you know, at some point there's illicit affairs and they finally act on all of these. You know, into the first season, they're like, we can't be together. We're too different. This season, they have a little shenanigans. They get together. Of course, it's very passionate and lovely. Uh, And then the, the, the question, what does this look like? What does the future hold? And the end result is that they finally she she says like I am not going to change. This is my life, this is my choice. I do not want this and you do. And even if you say that you love me more than the idea of having a family, I don't think that's true and I think you need to admit that to yourself. And they part ways amicably. And it's heartbreaking, but it's real and it kind of like kicked this whole thing off in me and I know like I am not, we are obviously not the first. There are lovely articles. We'll reference a couple of them about this stuff, but like okay, so wow, I was like, wow, that's a very specific child-free life moment portrayed really well and very mm-hmm. nuanced. And so like what does that look like in the rest of TV history? So, Tiger, when did when did you do you have a first moment or a real moment where you actually kind of really saw yourself on television?
0: Like in 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 terms of my in terms of like the child-freedom Aspect of things, yeah. Then, I
1: mean, weirdly, yeah, and if not, then yeah. No. I was gonna say, like, weirdly, <laughs> I,
0: I think maybe, maybe the closest was uh, I was a, a very very late comer to Sex in the City, Um and sure. that for me was kind of seeing Samantha, who, um, you know, wound up with a young hot guy and like not having kids and still having this really fulfilling life was very refreshing. And I only watch, I only saw those movies, like, three... or Not movies. Well, I've never seen the movies. I've been told not to. But I only watched the show, uh like, three years ago. And it was such a revelation because she was just better than everyone else. Like, her... Sure. <laughs> her problems weren't manufactured because she didn't, like, literally give birth to them. It was, like, cancer and shit. <laughs> it was just, like, oh, my... And, yeah. like... I I don't know, I felt like she kinda got a bad rap because she wasn't very career driven or she was still very successful, but it wasn't like her driver, like it was for the other women, especially for like Miranda, you know, and she wasn't Mm -hmm. irresponsible like Carrie, and she wasn't hopelessly romantic like Charlotte, but she still managed for me to get the very best life. And I I really love her for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and Sex in the City will come up, I think, a couple of times in this. It's funny because like, um, as like the, the child-free dude in the room, there's been plenty of guys that just it either doesn't get addressed. All of your like he-man action hero folks, you know what I mean? Like it's it's. I was thinking like, oh MacGyver, and then like when they had they did the reboot, they had to give him a son to be MacGyver Junior. And I was like, why did you do that? That beautiful, like g- like mullet-haired gorgeous, sexy, smart man. You had to saddle him with a yeah. child. Um, but, you know what I mean? So it's like, obviously, there's there's a, a heavy focus, I think, on a lot of, um, you know, kind of female characters and their shows, just because that's where a lot of this stuff gets really addressed and not just either assumed in the background or just not mm-hmm. dealt with at all. Um, but I, d- I do think that we do. And again, Sex in the City is great because it, it it has so many of these tropes. But I've kind of, And there's probably a thousand more, but the ones that really kind of jump out at me are you've got your career first character, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're, you know, this is, and again, this is just part of child-free life in general. Um, What I see is kind of the stunted or hapless adult, um, kind of the characters who are not the... There's a lot of man children and, like, zany ants in this category, but we'll kind of break yeah. that apart. Um, particularly when these people get put into the driving seat of a series, which is really interesting. Um, you've got... We're always cast as this already, but the the, the smug anti-child foil that, who just shows up to make the new mom feel bad about having babies. Which, um, like... <laughs> <you know>. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Like... Child-free as villain... Uh, like, yeah. yeah, great. And then you ha- the, and you have kind of the the hopeless romantic, which is, I think you get, sometimes you jump out of these shows, like even again, like people will say in the Sex and the City debate, well, Samantha, by the end of the second movie is like thinking about having a kid. And you're like, whoa, time out. No, nope. like, and some of that stuff is just like, the series never actually gets to a relationship or a developmental moment in that person's life where they have to wrestle with this stuff. So they're kind of, it's like it's like what we all were before a couple of years ago we started putting this this child free hat on where it's kind of like child free by default child free by i did not have kids or it hasn't yeah, come up yet a lot and of these
0: characters too they're kind of written with the excuse of like infertility or whatever that makes them not child free but childless which is a very different very very different yeah, distinction
1: very different distinction and look Shout out, love, respect to all of those folks. I know it's a real hard journey. And um, yeah, but that's not us. That's I mean, (laughs)
0: it's it's wildly different. And we like, and that's, it's, yeah, it's super important to acknowledge that because it is, it's a hugely important distinction. Like just because the end result is the same doesn't mean at all that it's the same pathway or journey or evolution. It's, yeah. Yeah. So.
1: So, uh, career first, um, you know, if you're not having children, what are you doing? You're we've going to make it after you're, all
0: is what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Oh, my OG God. And baby what a, girl. What a, what a goddamn <laughs> delight. Mary Richards. Again, I, I love the, the the we've moved away from it, but the really confusing um, like it's the Mary Tyler Moore show, but that's not her name. Yeah. In the show. I always love the that. show like, about the Huxtables.
0: We're still allowed yeah. to talk about it. Right? Like, I mean.
1: Sure, we talk. let's talk yeah. about the show anyway. I mean, there's no like
0: child free people on there, so it's fine, like whatever. No,
1: which is probably indicative of other issues, but sure. Uh, but goddamn, Mary Richards, yeah. what a delight! I had such a crush, I had such a nick at night crush on Mary Richards and her like job in television and reporting and her cool apartment and her passion. Yeah. Like, I was like immediately drawn to her as the guy, and that was already like I knew Laura Petrie, right? I knew her as a, a mother. But like recast is like a 30-something on the go. I Wow, what a show. And that show, weirdly, I would say holds yeah. up. A lot of old television does not. I think Mary Tyler Moore uh, is kind of a shining beacon of that. And woof, yeah. what a delight. Um, and, you know, again, it's funny because we have main characters here. And then there's a very kind of s- cool. specific type of uh, supporting character, I think, that falls into this role, Yeah, too. I mean, it's so interesting because um, we don't
0: have a ton of main characters you know i mean like shonda shonda has obviously given us some and and i'm fortunately like i'm not big on her shows but i know olivia pope and christina yang are both i mean christina yang is definitely a lead in Grey's anatomy it's an ensemble cast and like obviously olivia pope huge deal and and i appreciate that they're both like you know career driven like to the point of insanity sometimes but they're they're great you know and it's just yeah yeah so thank you, Shonda. It's, it's
1: so funny that, yeah, thank you, Shonda, for that. And again, like the, the Christina Yang, like just saying out loud on television, I don't want to be a mother. It's like a huge deal.
0: For like, a like, network net yeah, just... show with as wide a following as it has, it's it's insane how we haven't yeah. seen that often or before. And that it's not yeah. a point of contention. It's just, it's part of her. It's not something anyone tries yeah. to change. Like she she's perfect the way she is.
1: Something we'll talk about later uh, after we kind of deal with the tropes is this idea that I kind of started wrapping my head around is there should be a lot more people on this list. And then you run into this weird idea. um, Like I was going to say Murphy Brown. Like I remember as a kid growing a big deal Murphy Brown. But then there's this dumb asterisk at the end, which is what I've been calling the season Mm -hmm. four baby. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's just like. People that should be on this list.
0: Liz Lemon. particularly
1: <laughs> Liz Lemon. <laughs> and it's so funny because I, as I was thinking, you know, we're, we're coming up with ideas. We're thinking about the show. What are we going to talk about? And all these people popped up in my head. And then I had to go, oh, no, there's an asterisk there. And I, I'm we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's so funny because there should be more people on this list. Um, not just because we're very comedy minded, very kind of network minded let's uh whoop, let's let's talk about my gal Daenerys Targaryen.
0: Not child free. She Are you w-
1: counting the dragons? No, she counting- was pregnant.
0: She had a wanted pregnancy and then couldn't produce children. Oh
1: sure. Daenerys is there inf- you go. Daenerys
0: is infertile and it's infertile. like a plot point. Yeah that's that's yeah. a huge that's a huge deal. Like I right. I think she would be very I think we would get the dragon's breath if we tried to lump her in with us.
1: Oh sure. Right on. Yeah.
0: Um, so Arya
1: I, Stark, maybe.
0: Arya, yeah, I don't think she probably went off and had One children after children. that. Children.
1: Yeah. 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 But yeah, very a very a very strong point. Bri- again, Brienne yeah. of
0: Tarth, perhaps.
1: Oh, God bless Brienne. Yeah. Give her her own series, please. Just let me enjoy more screen time with her. Yeah. Um.
0: I mean, if you did want like a, a series lead in sort of a sci-fi or fantasy, I mean, Ahsoka. Right? Jedi can't oh, I mean, yeah. I know she's not a Jedi, but like, girl's right. not giving up her, her you know, code and no. her monkish lifestyle, you know. Oh, so Katano. Excited <laughs> for that.
1: Give me more of that, please. Um, it, it's funny because I, on the sci fi fantasy side, like, uh, I didn't really parse this out, but I have a real lone wolf and club problem. I really get annoyed by that as everyone loves Mandalorian and they're all like, goo goo for Grogu about. All the Baby Yoda bullshit. I'm so tired of Lone Wolf and Cub stories. To be fair, he's 50. Right. Sure.
0: He's not actually a baby. He just can't talk.
1: Right. So it's a a buddy comedy where one of the two of them still shit themselves.
0: It's a master blaster situation (laughs) is how I would describe it.
1: (laughs) And who doesn't love... Look, if we're talking about non-traditional relationships... Uh, shout out to the master blaster yeah he does rule bartertown um <laughs> Star Trek it's funny because Star Trek has a really is dear near and dear to my heart has a, a very complicated history with this stuff particularly with the ladies um, Jean-luc Picard child free King I love him all day um, I would say ds9 has a lot of good options here Kieran Nerys. I think what a delight security commander. Very committed to culture, has a community, has a, a drawing to her religion that fulfills her, and then falls in love with Odo and has a very lovely, non traditional relationship <laughs> with the changeling.
0: Mm-hmm. Which,
1: listen, as a bisexual, that sounds like an ideal situation to me. Absolutely love one person, get all the options, yeah. you know, all the interchangeable pieces you want.
0: That um, sounds great. It'd be, it, you'd never get bored,
1: right. But so there, that's kind of main character, top of the call sheet, folks. And then you have kind of this weird side character. And I think that a lot of people were not going to mention it's a lot of shows I don't watch. Um, but the you find the child-free folks in the in a lot of like expositional dump characters. So a lot of your chiefs, a lot of your head surgeons, a lot of your lead legal persons, the boss of a lot of these shows ends up. And this kind of, um, and again, it's a very career focused, very kind of sterile, not in body, but in personality. Very kind of, because they're there to just kind of point and yell and tell the other characters what to do. And they don't really have a rich, developed internal life. So who needs kids at that point, you know? And though he's gotten a lot of, one of my favorites here, I I do have a soft spot uh, for Raymond Holt. On Brooklyn Nine Nine.
0: Yeah, no, I no, I'm like I think Raymond Holt's a really good one because he is the father figure at the station. Yeah. And what I what I like about that is it shows that you still can be a caring person mm-hmm. and a a compassionate person without being a dad. Yeah. You know, and he has a great relationship, like he and his oh, husband Kevin. have a complex, layered, wonderful relationship. Cheddar is an icon.
1: W- what a delicious. What a sweet, delicious boy. And we all know how I feel about dogs, but sweet cheddar. Like, ugh. And yeah, Kevin. I like, a a very loving, fully formed, a lot of, look, and again, given the backstory of wanting to be a prominent, proud, openly gay, African-American police captain as like a strong motivation and kind of a lot of time and effort and focus goes into that, right? Yeah. But he still, and for as much as we get this exterior of kind of the very hard captain, cares more about all those people, right? Yeah. But again, like, he gets kind of roped into this, like, surrogate father-see with Jake that is almost too dad, right? Like...
0: Yeah, yeah, and I would, like, I've... Because there were some characters that I was really reluctant to include on this list for that reason. and yeah, it's really interesting it's 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 a common problem with Mike sure though
1: sure yeah,
0: i I could like because he and I mean, talking about side characters, I think we mentioned Jen Barclay. Mm-hmm she'll fit into a couple of categories but he just seems to have a beef not a beef he seems to not recognize that people can be fulfilled without having some sort of maternal paternal relationship in their life and and it's really weird because it's like oh yeah captain holt doesn't have a kid but he's got jake and it's like dude you were so close like yeah you can be happily child-free and be fulfilled and be a wholesome, loving person like the rest of your characters. You know, it's... And and I think, like, it happened with Donna Meagle and Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this person who just never got the screen time she deserved. Everyone else had these storylines, and Donna just was a, a walking catchphrase. Right.
1: And we do... And it's just... We do need to treat ourselves. Yeah. We do.
0: We do need to treat ourselves. <laughs> and Yeah, and... And everybody deserves like a hot teacher fiance at the end of everything. Yeah. But, you know, give us more. Like, what? Yeah. How did she arrive to that place? Yeah. You know? Like.
1: <laughs> and the one thing I would say about Captain Holds, I think that even though he has a great affection for individual people in his life, as we kind of do, um, you know, uh, there are shining stars amongst all of us, either in our friend groups or at work. Like, he's looking at the the precinct right he's looking at all of his people and trying to be responsible to all of them equally and sure you're gonna have your favorites there and it's jake who's trying to make him his father which is kind of a bummer you know because it's like i didn't want that the first time around and just because there's a, a slot open in my inventory theoretically where you could fill yourself in there i maybe don't i'm not asking for that you know
0: yeah, that's not actually an open slot. There's other stuff cramming that space closed. Yes. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> bag of holdings reached its capacity.
1: <laughs> so, but the funny thing, right, is that in the characterization of Raymond, he's presented as this very terse, He's he doesn't understand social cues or pop culture references. He, yeah. He's aloof. He's, And I think that he kind of leads into this is a much better formed version than a lot of them. But the, the, my second kind of trope that we're kind of gunning at is the stunted or hapless adult. Um, you get, you see this in your zany coworkers, uh, the, the neighbor, the weird neighbor is this guy. Um, I think Woody Harrelson's character in cheers yeah, is kind of yeah, the iconic, like... you know, Lenny and Squiggy, Laverne and Shirley. Um, yeah. And they're either too weird, too quirky, too riddled with various issues or traumas to, to theoretically, in the in the mind of the TV writer, have a meaningful relationship or children. Right? So,
0: yeah. And they usually have children in their lives. Like that's what's really funny is they're filling. And it's usually the zany aunt. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very non parental role.
1: Right. Or some of the weirder ones are um, uh, like uh, Cody. And, uh, you know, and, like, uh, no, not just the 10 of us. And there was 12 of them. I forget. But there's there's some weird ones. Urkel, just, like, don't let that kid in your house. You know what I mean? Like- yes.
0: And, like, I mean, I know Kimmy Gibbler got a kid in Fuller House. But, like, she was well on her way to growing up to become that person. Yeah, 100 I, I mean, I guess Uncle Joey is, is that person. Sure,
1: 100 Yeah. Like,
0: Uncle Joey is very much that person. Yeah. Like, he just kind of happened into this...
1: And into man-child. this family. But like, yeah. who would date him? Who would take him seriously yeah. enough to date him? And yeah. um, it's funny. Great article. Uh, great article. Um, TV representation for child-free women sucks uh, by Lindsay Pugh um that i highly recommend and this quote kind of sums it all up she says tv writers love to give female characters a mental illness a horrible childhood unresolved trauma some other personality disorder that makes their hatred for children understandable um the funny thing is this is not and my caveat to this which is a great quote but it's like that never stops that from there's a ton of terrible parents Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is discounting singularly to this class of people of like, oh, well, that's why they don't have anybody. But there's a lot of awful. Uh, yeah,
0: No one in It's Always Sunny should have a child, but both Dennis and Frank do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Frank not. Eh, eh, Frank. Eh. Yeah. He <laughs> raises them. <laughs> but exactly my point. Like no one wants to call him dad, but he filled yeah. that role.
1: <laughs> and again, like most of the time, this person is a function of the script. Right. I think mm-hmm. uh, someone to bounce ideas off of usually the bad ones, like usually, you know, in your and like I think of like Bull from uh, yeah. Night Court, you know.
0: Yeah. It's or w- Wilson from Home Improvement. I love Wilson.
1: He's a doctor. People don't remember that. Uh, had a loving relationship with a wife who passed away. Full of wisdom from all over the world. Well traveled, but like generally seemed to be a weirdo because you only see the top of his head. Right. Like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, too, It was. it's, like, always this idea of the family man is normal. Right. And it makes this really, this person who's objectively, like, quite interesting when you separate him from the plot, like, the coolest person in the room.
1: <laughs> oh, sure. 100%. That's, like,
0: I, you know, Mr. Feeny Boy Meets World. Uh, Icon. Hil- Hilda and Zelda from both iterations of Sabrina. Yeah. I know they were technically raising her, which may, you know, but, you know, they had the space to take that on. Yeah. Kind of. So they had to do it together. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. But a key, every once in a while, um, these folks get thrust to the front, the driver's seat, right? And I think we have two good examples, and they're very different shows, which I think is interesting. But this is pretty much the whole cast of of Seinfeld, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is all four of them, and and uh, particularly, I know Elaine is kind of a big one here. Um, yeah. But that also comes from, like, a really, if you look into it, a really shitty place, right? Like, did you...
0: Yes. That quote in the article from Larry David about he... Larry David basically says that he doesn't... He wrote Seinfeld for lonely people because he doesn't think people with families need to laugh. And it's just, like... Ew. Lair, lair bear. Like, yeah, buddy.
1: Mm. Come on. <laughs> when, like... Yeah. We, we see in, like, in his own show, in Curb, we see how well that turned out for him, right? Like, we see how, like...
0: Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm sure he would say something differently now. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. but... It's funny because I enjoyed Seinfeld at the time, but I think that whether I knew it or not, like, those those people were living out a version of a life that I thought I wanted, but, like, I couldn't deal with the chronic... Kind of neuroses and unhappiness of that situation. Like no one could keep a steady partner. No one could be truly fulfilled in their job. It, it kind of I think exposed uh, as is this was maybe a, a life path and life script that I was interested in. Like it was always seen from the lens of this is a lesser version of things. And if they could only have the normal regular thing, then they would all be happy and there wouldn't be a show. Like, bleh.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's kind of that's uh,
0: Framing it that way, it makes it a very different show. Because it is, there is a degree of relatability to it. Especially, like, for me, it's very much a treatise against city living. Uh, but I also do not think that any of them could have moved away from this, like, from New York and felt any different. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um,
1: now you've got a good one, and I, and and I'm gonna let you lay this out because again, and you can feel free to chide me at will uh, for not having gotten around to this show. But
0: well, here's the thing: yeah. it's um, so Hannibal is one that I put on here because mm-hmm. Hannibal was a parentified child turned murderous cannibal Mm -hmm. but he very much the arc of the first season is him and will graham forming a de facto family with abigail hobbs Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting because hannibal ends up killing her because it just in his mind they can't actually be a family it's all like this fantasy in his mind that he he can't even allow himself Mm. and it's such a fascinating look at at what family means, at what these life scripts can actually kind of do to damage people. Cuz mm-hmm. cuz throughout the whole series, like Will Graham keeps trying to find family. He even becomes a step-parent at one point and ends up kind of being driven to the dark side and into Hannibal's arms by the end of the series. And it's just it's really fascinating because it looks at the cost of deviating from a life script or of trying to follow it when it's something that it doesn't that doesn't fit you. Sure. And it's really interesting because obviously it's, like, hugely demented and these people are murderers. But you kind of also come to see them as, like, creative heroes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they're awesome. Like, I I genuinely, when we were looking at places to move, was genuinely looking outside of the Baltimore area because I wanted a farm like Will Grahams with a million dogs. Because an- I'm like, you know what? I can still go into the city, live my Hannibal life, and then go live my Will Graham life. I don't have children. I don't have to worry about it yeah. like as a as a child close. of the
1: Baltimore suburbs, there are worse places to be. I know you're very yeah. happy where you are in Tennessee, but
0: <laughs> sure, but it's like i I could have been happy either place you know and and yeah, it's just really interesting. another one that I was thinking of though mm-hmm. while um before like after i finished the notes but before we jumped on are um the muppets
1: oh yeah no and i know the Muppet is... show
0: is a variety show but there is a, th- a through line and i do think like what's so fascinating is like the muppets don't have children no kermit's got his nephew but he's such a peripheral part he's not part of the iconic relationship that is kermit and piggy sure and he's
1: not necessarily portrayed ever as the lone caregiver for robin Right. God,
0: no, he's not. He's he's Robin's fun uncle. Like yeah. Robin goes to Uncle Kermit's to have fun. You know, and it's I I think I don't know. I love that about the Muppets so, that they are just living their best lives. Tiger,
1: I love you so profoundly and there's a reason that you are my partner in this great endeavor because I had them on the notes and I took them off because I was just what? like I was I honestly will not. shocked you didn't <laughs> have them on there. I was like Kermit and Piggy, man, what a weird complicated relationship and i think that you know it's funny to watch different writers try to project life scripts on them and force them into various cycles of happiness and unhappiness and i love that they have always refaulted like landed at the default which is the kermit's got the show piggy's got a fashion empire and they love each other and they work it out as they can um yeah and again like Look, uh, greater female and uh, alt representation in the Muppets could be its own episode, and I would talk sure. about that for an hour. But no, like I like Kermit the Frog, and I very specifically have his job um, is is a more of a weird um, <coughs> guiding path in my life than I think a lot of other characters on television. What that says about me? Huh. But like. It's that I think
0: Kermit is the the great thing though is like Kermit and Piggy are sort of universally beloved. Like no one Yeah. No one's just no one's going to shit on the Muppets. Like if they do, it's not because of the Muppets themselves. It's not because of who Kermit and Piggy are. Sure. It's not you know, and it's it's so interesting cuz Jim Henson was like very much by all accounts like a good a good dad he was a family man right yeah. like not without his problems whatever but like who is and it's so funny because he created space for people to deviate from the life script yeah like what a what a hero
1: oh gonzo <laughs> gonzo let's talk about gonzo is a bisexual king and i love him and i would gonzo love for them is to just
0: gonzo is my one true love like if i had to pick an Muffet that i most identified with yeah. it's him uh i i I, too have a strange affinity and obsession with birds. Sure. Not necessarily poultry, but right. I'm getting chickens. <laughs> well, I might get ducks, but you know, it's yeah, I he's just, yeah, Gonzo is just he is my soul. yeah,
1: he's one of those yeah, you know, just one of those characters that I, I really would love for them too. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of things that are left kind of undefined in the Muppet world. But, like, I would love to throw one or two really good labels on Gonzo. I mean, they, they finally... Muppets from Space, not the worst movie. We're not talking about movies, but there you go. Um, also, all of the original run of The Muppet Show is coming to Disney Plus um, in a couple weeks. And I think... Oh, don't I know yeah, it. Yeah, I'm ready. And if you've only ever watched the movies or Muppet Babies... Get into some of that original goodness. Um, but God's so good. Just make him like a delightful, weird pansexual and just give me make all my dreams come true. Please and thank you.
0: Gonzo Gonzo's like what I wanted Deadpool to be.
1: Yeah. And he, he, he's what but like less violent. Could be in the right hands. Um Yeah. And again, like
0: Deadpool's just a bloody gonzo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What a delight. That's
0: my new ship.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: now that they're all under the Disney banner, like that's, that's my new ship. (laughs) Just
1: the Gonzo and Deadpool team up that I didn't know I wanted until this exact moment. Oh God, tiger. I love you.
0: You know, Deadpool would see that nose and and suggest weird things. And I feel like Gonzo would be down to clown. Yeah. He's like, um,
1: I, I feel like Gonzo is literally down to try literally anything one time. And that is something that he and I share and I appreciate about him. Yeah. Um, so, tropes, here's our gal Jen Barkley, um, the smug anti-child foil, um, usually coupled either in, uh, direct in an office scenario or a work scenario or in kind of a traveling in and out, um, opposed to our, uh, kind of main characters, uh, characters. Similar to the career-first folks, that's almost entirely who these folks are as well. Because, again, why would you not have children? <laughs> you have to have something to fill your time. Um, and the the funny thing about these is they always snarky, always there for comedic effect, always undercutting. There's never, like—and the funny thing is they're almost universally painted as secretly uh, lonely, right? To your point about yes. Mike Sure, secretly unfulfilled, secretly— Whatever. Like
0: Yeah. It's like Jen Jen Barclay is my favorite because she literally just looks at Ben and Leslie and says, My life is better than yours. And <laughs> I think you're supposed to be annoyed and not right. amused, but it's true. Yeah. Like, God, if I had to give birth to triplets.
1: Woof. Yikes. And also like, like I'd
0: have to I'd have to include a content warning for how I feel about that. <laughs> and I don't feel like it. So uh you know, Jen, all I can say is Jen is right. Yeah. And and I think in, in that article that we read, like, she kind of painted uh, Samantha from Sex and the City under this. Sure. But I'd, I'd say since she's a main character and has so much time to flesh out her storyline, like, she can do what she wants. Right. When her friends have babies under stupid circumstances, she's just being a good friend, telling them not to. Yeah.
1: But it's funny. It's like they're, again, they are able to speak the kind of um, bits of truth that... Uh, are always you're supposed to and you're supposed to get booed in the laugh track right if such a thing is there but it's part of the reason that we all have, we that you and i started the podcast was to say like your kids are kind of gross sometimes you know they smell bad and they're weird and i don't like to be around them um or like you know the the Samantha storyline of like, you know, bringing whiskey to a baby shower. I just think that's funny. Um, <laughs> guilty. A hand, a hand raised in the back of the congregation.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Like, I just, I just like, yeah. I mean, I, in general, if it's a gathering of adults, I'm going to have, if you're not going to provide the hooch, I will. I don't drink wine. Yeah. It makes me sick.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so I'll bring my own whiskey. Thank you. No, you can't have any. It's too expensive. (laughs) But also very fair.
1: Like, Hey, can I get a, can I get a a baby shower? Can I get Like random presents and like a meal tree.
0: Yes. That's my favorite. That was my favorite episode of sex in the city. That was such a fucking revelation. Sure. Like to just hear Samantha and Carrie saying, this is dumb. I spend all this money. I, I show up. And, like, you ruin my fancy shoes, and you don't take my life seriously. And it's, like, I, I think hearing anyone, even another child-free person, dismiss that as, like, frivolous is, like, why we're here. Because that's not frivolous. I choose how I spend my money, and I chose not to have a kid so that I can live my life how I want it. I don't – i I'm not going to snark at you for being a parent. I will judge you privately. Or here. <laughs> Or within the safety of our
1: child-free compounds. yeah. Under
0: a fake name. Uh, (laughs) I wish my real name were Tiger, but, you know, it's not. Um, I will judge you privately or here on my podcast that I can afford to keep running and that I have the time to, you know, work with you on because we don't have children. And you can just nut up and watch all the TV representation while I do so. (laughs) And if you do damage something expensive in my life, I will expect you to replace it because I have come to every single one of your baby showers, all of your wedding showers, all of whatever. I show up and I always make sure that I look nice. Like yeah. you don't you don't offer that same consideration. People are always late. They're always gross. Like I <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like e- Yeah. Yeah, the amount of times I've apologized for having a dirty car and then like gotten into a parent's friend's car and there's like snacks on the floor. It's like, mm, you know what? I'm done apologizing for the fact that my dog and I have time to go hiking in the mud. <laughs> um, I, I didn't realize I had so many feelings. No, I love
1: it. Please, <laughs> let them all. Please let them all. But again, but like there is no room for that person to exist other than to be a villain. Right, yeah, like it's and it's, not,
0: so, it's so unfortunate because I'm I'm a good friend. Right. Like
1: it's not Wilson. It's not Mister Feeney. Right. Yeah,
0: if you I don't say necessarily these things, have nuggets of I don't have nuggets of wisdom to impart, right. but I'll show the fuck up.
1: Right. Like, but like, <laughs> it speaks a little bit in some ways to how limited our roles are in the friend groups that we have. Like, you're either you're either an asshole. Like, you either are selfish and you're an asshole, and but we keep you around because I guess we're friends or like we have to work together or like we have, or we're forced to impart timeless wisdom to a bunch of people that followed a life script that we soundly rejected. <laughs> like, Yeah.
0: <it's> like, <laughs> can't I just be fun and have good stories that you live vicariously through? Yeah. I Yeah. Can I, is that like a fun, I want to see that function. Yeah. You know, like I want, I want there to be that person. Sam Rockwell's character in "F" is for Family kind of serves that, sure. but that whole show is just so sad. I
1: can't deal at all with, like that's,
0: like as my much, husband, my husband loves it, yeah. but he is also just. Yeah, he's definitely that sort of like villain trope. Sure. <laughs> he's just like he's like I hate this. I'm not going. Your life is gross. Yeah. And I'm like, babe, we we, we have, have to, to be, be polite. People. <laughs> like we
1: have to still. And
0: this is this is yeah yeah. I'm I'm his excuse maker, yeah. and I love him for it. Very <laughs> quick side rant. The F
1: is for family is like a good one. There's such a weird thing happening right now where it's like you either set your sh- show back in time, and then uh, excuse a lot of the regressiveness of the show in the time period. Um I also having worked on a show recently that was supposed to be current day but everyone was basing it on the writers were basing it on their college experiences which happened 20 years ago uh and were wildly regressive in that regard I can't decide which is worse like I can't decide like like I feel like and again uh again wrapping it back around to The Alienist I think they do a profoundly good job of being a historical fiction that lets like women and um People of color, like have agency and have storylines, and it's not all bad. It's not all that like locked into the bad parts of history. But yeah, yeah. and it's like we deserve to be taken seriously as well. <laughs> yeah, um and I just yeah,
0: I just wrapped up the magicians. and while no characters were explicitly child free for many of them, it was very clear the future did not hold children I, when the show ended
1: i love i'm was, in love with the magicians those that was one because it subverts a lot of narnia tropes which i just think is delightful
0: was wonderful uh, yeah and
1: those all deserve to be uh subverted but also just like that's what like a delightful like if we all had like again a, a little bit of magic in the world and i think we'd all be mostly pansexual like without a lot freed of a lot of the dumb morays and i think that's the that's kind of the funny thing with these tropes, right? Yeah. Is that...
0: I like that in subverting fantasy... Yeah. Yeah. In subverting fantasy tropes, the Magicians also manages to subvert the life script and just be like, no. Like, if you had this kind of power, you wouldn't need social norms. You bend the world to what you want it to be. God,
1: who, who's <laughs> uh the one... God, what's her name? Um The blonde with the glasses. I, I have all these show notes and I totally forget. I forget...
0: Oh, um... Shoot, it's not Margot, it's Alice. Alice.
1: Alice's parents. What a goddamn delight. Where it's just like, if you come over... Talk about
0: people who shouldn't have been parents. Yeah, if
1: you come over unexpected, there might be an orgy happening in the backyard. Like, but also probably... That's
0: that's not why they shouldn't have been parents. Her mom is like a raging Oh yeah, her mom's a monster. But... Yeah, and her dad enables her. But that's why they shouldn't have been parents. The orgies are fine. Everybody in that show is participating in orgies. Right.
1: Like, yeah. But again other conversations of, like, we get pigeonholed into these characters, but, like, not really having the big conversations about, like, is it kind of... Should you be? (laughs) Maybe. Or do you really want it? Do you really want... Is this something you really want or something that you're being forced into? Which is weirdly... I think there's a lot of room and a lot of discussion that happens in this next trope that doesn't actually ever get there, though, which is interesting, which is kind of the hopeless romantic. And these are your... The, oh boy, I just got to date all these people and will I ever land on one? Which is a show that I, people enjoy watching that, I understand. Absolutely. As I'm, a formula. Yeah, I'm, but um, it's funny because... Because
0: bad, bad dates are objectively very fun. Sure. To watch. Yeah. When they're not happening to you, no. bad dates are a great time.
1: Um <laughs> But yeah, and I think a lot of times we the ser- we bow out of the series before we actually answer any of the big questions, right? Like they maybe because like in the classic rom com formula, which is being subverted more and more, you end on the high note of like landing the partner of your dreams, and yeah. roll credits. Like,
0: yeah, I I will say that. In film, weirdly, romantic comedies end with far fewer babies than people have it in their heads. Mm -hmm. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you think about, I mean, I think Liz Lemon would fall into that category as much as she's also a career woman. There was that sort of hopeless romantic bent where there was always like the dude of the season Mm -hmm. that was the great guest star. And it was such a bummer when she kind of ended up with that guy yeah
1: you know like (laughs) and again like it we're we're looking at it kind of intersectional representation like you do have a full season of like an infertility storyline which is a, a very underserved group of people that need to have their stories but it's just like that never comes out of like the the happily married um you know couple that's already it's not there it's like we have to take like single career gal trying to make a difference and then we'll stack on top of her the and inf- you know what I mean? Like she
0: let's let's punish her for not following the script from the get go. Right. You know, there's a cost to foregoing it. Yeah. And it's like maybe not though. Yeah.
1: You know, and we're trying we're we're mixing it up. I mean, you again, Samantha is kind of in this as well. You know, there's the in any of your classic, like if you have put two character names in a ship. And, and like, you know, hyphenated them or made them cute. They're probably in this group. Uh, Jess. You know who
0: probably wouldn't have had kids in a just world mm-hmm. not written by transphobes? Yeah. Fucking Hermione and Victor Crumb. Sure. What She would have been busy.
1: Very busy. She would have been very <laughs> and busy. And I
0: would, I would guess like whatever magical steroids made him so good would have also made him infertile. <laughs> This is my dream. Like, this is, like, the world that I live in is one in which Hermione ran off with Victor Crum, who funded all of her activism yeah. with his sports ball money. Oh, my God. And just, like, let her do her thing and just cool. admired her and, like, lived out his retirement. And, like, maybe Charlie Weasley found his way into that trial. Oh,
1: yeah. Because... He- you know, there's enough Weasleys around that a couple of them are going <laughs> to deviate very heavily from law. You grow up with like, you know, six, seven kids in the house, and you're just like, I think I'm out. I think I'm done. I can barely All the stand better my if like
0: Charlie was like a non binary dragon loving weirdo.
1: Delight. Well, let's, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> Fuck you, JK Rowling. I've hijacked your world. <laughs> uh,
1: and it's funny, uh, low key, and again, weird. I just have to throw this out there because, um, Low key shout out to Caroline in the City. They were trying in the early '90s. They really were, but like I all have I ever
0: loved that show. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> Just um, give me a an an adorable, well fashioned, uh, urban cartoonist to fall in love with. I mean, that show came out. When I was like 12, and I was like immediately <sighs> smitten with her, and yeah. very much, you know, Mary Tyler Moore levels of of <laughs> like what a delight. Um,
0: Adorbs. Adorbs.
1: So yeah, and again, Liz Lemon comes back around and 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 just lets this idea of the season four baby, right? And it's so funny because not it's not just pregnancy, right? Like you know, Liz Lemon ends up adopting like M- Murphy Brown. It's it, it's very much the the hand wringing was all around this like late in life. I think she's like forty two, late in life pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but like. Weird, weird side ones like Buffy ends up momming it up, right? Like after, and again, giant spoiler, but whatever, like her mom dies. She has a sister. And then all of the drama shifts to like Buffy as mother, as like unintended mother to her sister. I've never seen Buffy, so I don't know this. Uh, Again, like the Joss Whedon camp did it twice because who hates Connor from Angel is maybe one of the most hated television characters of all time. Unexpected season three baby, and then the only thing you can do worse than that is by season four, you make him a tween. You just age him up magically because it's like oh. the two worst, and I know that we differ on this, but like the two worst levels of childhood, like screaming baby that needs endless attention, and then like fuck you, dad, tween. Like,
0: well, TV babies don't actually do anything because right. they're plastic.
1: Sure. Yeah. But, or, well, oh, side rant about the weird restrictions of shooting babies uh anyway <clears throat> but yeah xena all of xena's end up in these weird like written in backstory only very convoluted like they go to a town and they're like oh look it's my long lost son and you're like you have a yeah. son it's like, and it's like well there was no, some you don't centaurs and then i gave him up for adoption and then like the other one's like a literal immaculate conception and you're just like Oh, you guys were really—you just couldn't let Zena just Zena it up. You had to yeah. fuck that one up. Well, then,
0: the, yeah, and then The Witcher just did it too, in the grand tradition of being Zena, but with Henry Cavill. Yeah. Uh, you know, the child surprise, oh, man. Child surprise. Some bullshit. <laughs> Nothing. What a bullshit form of payment. <laughs> I tell you, like, I died when I saw that, and <laughs> I couldn't even be mad about it because it's just like he hates it as much as I do. This is fucking, fucking great. Fucking child like,
1: surprise. I love to yeah. like that.
0: Child surprise.
1: It's one of those terms I can throw out in my household. <laughs> and my partner oh my will God. just go. It reminded We'll just go, don't. <laughs> and I'm like, child surprise. It- and they're like, don't even joke about it. <laughs> what a nightmare.
0: What a fucking it nightmare. It reminded me of the Shia LaBeouf song where they go, Shia surprise.
1: <laughs> Woof.
0: <laughs> Running for your life. It's child LaBeouf. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. And then here we are back no. in the fucking Lone Wolf and Cub camp again. You know? Yeah. Where it's just like. Yeah. Oh, are you like a, a sour, disillusioned veteran? You know, were you completely happy with your life before now? <laughs> Let's just fucking toss a child at you that you have to take care of for some other reason. <laughs> like, that's not like... Child your, surprise. Child surprise. like Or like, we're paying you to take kid from point A to point B. You know? Like, yeah, it's... Ugh. Um, fucking Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? weird
0: oh my god
1: dr quinn medicine woman yes like tv tv icons because again some of this stuff i had to go back through because the weird thing about the season four baby is that it's never the thing you remember the character for not once no
0: not dr quinn is like dope you remember her not being racist so she could get with that hot guy, sully yeah but then fun fact my little sister is actually named for dr quinn
1: oh my god
0: what a delight. I did not My know mom that. was 10 days late with her. She had another name picked out and was watching Dr. Quinn and was like, hmm, Michaela. That's a great name. And I'm sorry for outing my sister's real name, but she doesn't give a shit. So. <laughs> oh my
1: God. That's amazing. But no, because at some point you just start thinking, right? Because there's like a general. I
0: should have said her name was Cloud Dancing. Cloud,
1: uh, th- even better. <laughs> but like,
0: I'm
1: sorry. And I know some people will look back and say, well, like, on a classic life script path, the long struggle is ended. You settle down with a partner, and isn't it nice well, to see the long blah, blah, blah? But it's like...
0: Yeah, wasn't a lot of her... her ch- Like, the fact that she had kids, though, was because Jane Seymour got pregnant with twins. Yeah. And there was no hiding that on set. Right. My grandma actually won a contest to go to take an Amtrak train to go to the set of Dr. Quinn. And Amazing. made quilts for Jane Seymour's babies.
1: Get the fuck out of here.
0: I have, like, I've got Dr. Quinn's stories. I like, did not
1: know <laughs> that I was going to crack open this I treasure trove of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman content.
0: I fucking love Dr. Quinn. Yeah. Like,
1: and again, but, like, the thing you... But, yes, the
0: season four baby was a, a real bummer. we
1: kicking the nuts. Like,
0: Yeah, because she had that beautiful surrogate daughter, Colleen. Yeah. You know? And, like... She's got shit to do. She's the town doctor. Like, and it... On the fucking frontier. Like, I played Oregon Trail. They're (laughs) they're all gonna die of dysentery. (laughs) She she can't take maternity leave. Yeah.
1: Half the village dies. Yeah, and it's just like, (laughs) at some point, you're just like, oh, did the writers all either have kids or whatever or run out of ideas yeah. and they're like we have to have a different and in her framework. case it was very
0: much like a production issue because there's no hiding twins on a size zero supermodel oh sure
1: 100 like, <laughs> playing a
0: frontier doctor <laughs> i
1: i forget which season of how i met your mother is but there's a really funny uh like all of the different ways they tried to hide the pre- uh, the pregnancy of fuck allison hannigan There's a whole season of her like carrying large purses and beach balls for some reason. You know what I mean? It's like, it's almost a joke at some point, but yeah, there's ways around it. And uh, again, like I I think fundamental part of the problem is I think the people outside of our weird little Hollywood bubble. It's like Hollywood is much more conservative than you'd think like, or, or that we get cast in this like weird light. And two, I will argue, and I apologize for any of my writer friends that are listening to this, but like they're probably the most boring people among us. Like, they're the less, ex- like, they're not, yeah, and and they end up regurgitating, it's this weird double standard of, like, what we think America wants and what their life experience and their own expectations puts forward, and it's why yeah. that, like, the representation's gotta come from, It's it's gotta come from within, right? It's gotta come from the writer's yeah. room, it's gotta, there's gotta be people there that wanna tell those stories vocally, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they want to tell those stories and that have people that are willing to, like, go toe-to-toe with the network, you know, and say, maybe don't sweat the focus testing, let us tell this story. Yeah, and it's like, you know,
1: know, it's like Mary Tyler Moore had already worn pants on television, and they were just like, well, fine, I guess. Like, it's even funny when you look back in the history of that show where, like, they wanted to make her a divorcee. Like, that was the hill too far. Like, a 30-year-old woman who was a divorcee, and they're like, how about, like, recently engaged? Let's, you know... And it's funny because, like, there's so much of our perception that's wrapped up in in television and in the things that we see. I The two beds idea always blows my mind, right? Like, no one ever did that for real. Like, that was not a for real yeah. thing. And as a child, no. you'd see on television these two fucking beds. And you're like, I have never seen that in a house. I have never seen it anywhere. No. And it was a completely no. fabricated idea because we couldn't how dare we show two people well, in bed together? In
0: my head, it was like, why wouldn't you at least bunk them? Because bunk beds are fun to a kid. <laughs> yeah, bunk beds are tits. Like, bunk beds are the best. Like, yeah, and... I would still, if I had higher ceilings in my bedroom and didn't need a ceiling fan, I would loft my bed. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I love...
0: Because then it can get really... Key. Like, then you have a, like, natural kink space for, like, suspension.
1: Right. You just put some, some like, gymnastic mats underneath and then the possibilities are endless. Yeah. No, I love yeah. to – I am not a small person. I don't person.
0: understand why more people don't do that. Yeah.
1: I'm not a small person. I love to just force myself into the smallest space possible to try to fall asleep. It's a very weird – but, yeah. But, no, it's got to start. Or people – because here's the thing. We will look for it, and we will find it wherever we can. Um, this is like a dumb aside as we as we get to the end of this thing, but uh, something I've noticed in, in quarantine and binging is call, uh, that I'm calling the Golden Girls Paradox – which like beloved, obviously. B. Arthur, Icon. Like, you've got four women, right? All the the husbands are dead, but they're not there.
0: Also, like happy like month-belated birthday to Betty White, actual child free icon. Yes.
1: Oh my god, Betty White. What a what a delight. Yeah. Thank you. Live forever, please. Roll us all at some point. Um But the funny thing, and, like, you you see a lot of, um, you know, gay Twitter loves the Golden Girls. A lot of different communities really embrace the Golden Girls. Um, Because, again, four women without, like, a strong male presence deviating from the life script because they've passed what's traditionally seen as valuable. But, like,
0: yeah, um, she fucking chucked Stanley. Yeah, cool.
1: Stanley. I love one of my favorite running jokes in all of TV history is he walks in and says, "Hi, it's me, Stan." Every time, and I think it's like one of those weird, just time period of television writing things where they had to remind people who maybe had mm-hmm. never seen a Stan episode that that's Dorothy's ex. But he just every entrance is, "Hi, it's me, Stan," and I really yeah, want to do that. Yeah, it with wouldn't
0: have been. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been syndicated yet.
1: Yeah, like a group of my friends, I really want to just adopt the Stan introduction. Um, but again, like... Yeah.
0: Hi, it's me, Lee. <laughs> Hi, it's <laughs> me, Tiger. It's
1: me, Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, hello. It's the, I didn't see you there. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. Um, but amongst them, if you ever... Because we... My partner and I looked this up. Quarantine Boredom does strange things. Look up the Golden Girls family tree at some point. 18 children between the four of them. 18 children Eighteen. Yeah. And it, that's bad TV writing at some point, that's right? That's more
0: than four per... That's more than four Blanche per girl.
1: had, like, six on her own. For as much as, like, she gets shit for being, like, promiscuous and sleeping around and being that, like, deviant of the life script, she was also the mother of six children.
0: <laughs> so that's insane. It's
1: insane. So it's just, like... But again, w- w- different communities have clung to the Golden Girls because... That was the only place they were seeing some version of their life, adult same-sex yeah. friendship, played out.
0: Well, I mean, look at look at Zena. Like, I, she doesn't actually have kids. That was just bad TV writing. Right. It's
1: yeah. Don't fuck with my Zena. Leave her.
0: Yeah, she's a child-free lesbian icon. Please, yeah. let me have this. Like,
1: you can take those two episodes and and just cram them up your TV ass. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, a lot of room to a lot of room to go. And I think that as the more people like all of us and, and our listeners were just put your hand up and say, hi, I'm here. And my life is not sad. It has hey, value. It's
0: me tiger. Hi. Hey, it's me. Stan. It's me. Stan. <laughs> hey, it's me. Child free. <laughs>
1: um, hopefully we'll, you know, we'll come back around the horn and there's plenty of folks. I'm sure we missed and there's plenty of stuff that uh, we didn't get to. And again, I think we'll,
0: yes. Tell us about your favorites. Cause we are, we've, Watch so much TV, we need more.
1: Yeah, and there's and there's big blind spots. Like, I at this point, like 17 years of Grey's Anatomy seems like a lot of television to catch up on. So, give us your cliff yeah. notes, tell us the highlights, the best episodes. We'll get in there. Like, we want to hear from you. Um,
0: yeah, tell us your faves. Yeah,
1: and uh, what a delight. Uh, you know where to find us, we're on all the socials. Uh, not just sleeping in, email us questions at not just sleeping in. Um,
0: until next time, I'm Tiger. I'm Lee. Spread your love.
1: Live your damn truth and of course,
0: have fun sleeping. Have in. fun sleeping in. Hi, I'm Lee. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye I am Stan. <laughs>